The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast via BBC Sounds. This week, Mick Lavelle is my special guest taking your calls on everything from roses, cuttings and foxes. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls. And I'm going to start this week with talking to Maureen from St. Osif. Hello, Maureen from St. Osif. Hello, Maureen. Hello. Good morning. What, um, we to- what are we talking about, Maureen? Well, I had a rosebush bought for me for my birthday. And in the flowers, there's loads of little rosebuds coming out of the flowers. And I've never seen it before. And I was just wondering if you could give me some advice or new anything about it, but it hasn't it's, got the name of the flower in the pot at all. Oh, you see, because some of them have that multi-centre, don't they? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just wondering whether you've got one of those varieties where it has a, a cluster, I, I can't think of the word for it, but it has a multitude of petal in the middle, doesn't it? No, this is actual, the flower's open, but it's got loads of new rosebuds growing out the flower. Yeah. That's a new one on me, I've got to say. It's a new one on me. <laughs> <laughs> Can you send us a picture of it, perhaps? Um, I'll have to get my daughter to send it. Yeah, I mean, it I, I, I didn't mean today, but I mean, uh, um, if, it's a matter if I'm here. I mean, uh, Ken can always send it to yeah. me and, uh, and any of the studio guests, see if we know. There are actual buds that are coming out in the middle. Yeah, out of the flower itself. They're all little buds that you get growing on roses. They're inside the flower coming out. That is a, uh, from what you're describing, sounds very odd to me. So, uh, it, that's why I mean, it'd be much easier if we saw a yeah. picture of it. You can get your daughter to take a picture and send it in, and then Ken can maybe forward yeah. it. We'll see if we can get to the bottom of it. It's a bit odd, that one. Definitely a bit odd. I'd rather say I don't know than try and make something up. <laughs> OK? All right, I'll get to send a picture. Thank you, Maureen, okay. because that does sound a little bit odd to me. And it's a shame she doesn't know what rose it is either. Yeah, if you just well, if you can find out what rose it is, that, that, would that help will help well, us as well because yeah. we can maybe get to the bottom of uh, why that might have happened. Off to fobbing now to talk cuttings with Carol. Good morning, Ken. Um, I've had um, I've got two cuttings this year, and um, they happen to be. Um, castor oil plants and they have been the most fantastic everyone that's come in my garden has said what are these beautiful flowers can I have a cutting how do I do cuttings from them well, if it's um, ca- castor oil, but you mean the ricinus that you grow from seed with a big, um, the big palmate leaves. Because the, the only thing is, there's two plants sometimes get called castor oil plant. There's um, the uh, Japanese um, aurelia, which is a, a, um, an a false castor oil plant. Yeah, it's a Fatsia japonica, which is you can grow it outside. It's often an indoor plant. Or there's it's the not um, I've no got a couple of factors. Right, in the so, so you are talking about the castor oil plant, which is ricinus communis. Looking leaves. Yes, that, that, yeah. and a spike on the top. And has it got spiky type fruits on it now? Um, no, it's still flowering with the red bobbly things. Yes, yeah, that, that is. That it's, it's, it's they rice- go to, yeah. they go to a, yeah. it's ricinus. Now, what you do actually is um, you, you, it's an annual. 
So you, it, it, or it lives quite a long time through the year. It's, it's basically an annual. So what you need to do is collect some of the seed as it starts to dry. Once they go from being a reddish colour to sort of browning off, collect some of them, just get them in a uh, paper bag, keep the seed uh, pods on them and let them dry out. Then you just clean them off, clean up so you've got have these little sort of slightly spotty, uh, reasonably small seeds. They're only about a centimetre across. And you can sow those again about January, February next year. That's the way to increase them. Really? Yeah, you can't. It's an annual. You can no more take it's cuttings off. It's not cutting then. It's it's the actual pods that come out. Yes. Of the yeah. You, you take yeah. The, take the seeds. You need to grow it from seed because you, if you take a cutting, it will just die slowly over the winter. Right. Is it okay? Is it a poisonous plant though? Uh, I'm not sure how poisonous the plant is. The seeds the seed are extremely poisonous. Yeah, I'm mean, not to touch. If you touch the seeds, as long as you they're, wash your hands after it's fired, safe. don't you swallow any of them. <laughs> don't safe. swallow them and don't let animals eat them. Yeah. Ironically, this is the, where we get castor oil from. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Although it's refined and it takes out the ricin, which is the, uh, the serious poison. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you so much for your help. That's been great. Okay, Carol, that's helped you. There are, you can grow your new ones. In fact, a lot of public parks have stopped using it because of that, since the poisoning, the Russian poisoning, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the the thing is really, it's the the seed, they look quite attractive, and of course children may pick them up. That's what they're worried about, aren't they? Um, A a bit of deadheading could solve that, of course. It it could indeed. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't think, oh, no, no. No, gardeners are too stupid to do things like that. Come on. We are thought to be, aren't we? We are thought to be. Occasionally, yes. Occasionally. Leslie from Shubriness. Hello, Leslie. Hello, Ken. Um, Just a a, a bit of a query, because although I've looked on YouTube and things, I'm not clear on how to do it. I've filled in a fish pond in my garden about three and a half years ago. Mm It put plenty of soil in, did all you're supposed to do, and turfed it. Unfortunately, it sunk, and all the turf has died. So I've bought some grass seed, thinking that that might do it, but I'm quite confused about how to sow that seed. I've gathered that this is the best time of year to do it. Yeah, it's it's quite... Do you know what's funny is that we talk a lot about the changing in climates, Mm. and I had a client come out to me, and he he said to me, we must sow the seed, the grass seed, now. Yeah. So I said, why? <laughs> so he said, because the books say so. Yeah. I said, quite right. honestly, throw your book away because the climates aren't the same as they used yeah, to be. Well, the, the you can actually is... sow nearly all winter now, can't you? you? More or less oh. can. I mean, as, as someone who writes books, I can say that um, <laughs> you, you are allowed to change your mind. You, you have to write down your thoughts at the time. So, no, I mean, anyway, yeah, but yeah, let's so. go back to the sinking. Have you... Yeah. Has it got turf on it still, or have you filled it up with more soil? What have you done to it? I haven't. Well, I just put some soil on, but um, unfortunately the cats have started using it as a loo now. Right, it's all loose okay. Soil. Lovely. Uh, but you've got it yeah, up to really, the level... Really you, nice. You've got it um, to the level you want it. That's what we're saying. Well, it, it probably needs a bit more. So, I mean, would it topsoil be the thing? Yes. Yeah. And what okay. you need to try and do is try and get um, a, a, a topsoil which um, is as near to the type of soil you've got. Because if you put a very sandy topsoil on and you've got clay soil, it won't really right. match and it will, uh, the grass will grow um, strangely, if you like, as a consequence. Okay. Yeah. It, okay. it, it is sort of by as Ken said about the books, the time to do it. But I mean, really, there's a bit of juice. You, still, you isn't um, it? I, I would still wait until the at least the end of September into October, simply because okay. it will be cooler. 
I mean, this weekend we're going to be getting up to what 20, 25 degrees, and grass won't germinate in that sort of temperature. It's too warm. And so, right. uh, and you'll be irrigating it the whole time. Um, so, I mean, my my view would be wait a little bit, but. Sowing it is quite simple. You just case of raking it as level as you can and getting all the stones yeah. out as early as you can. The biggest danger you're going to have is as soon as it's great for the grass to grow, all of the weeds will grow as well. <laughs> so that's the oh, biggest that uh, difficulty great. with that. So you need to sow yeah. it uh, when the grass will still grow. So it needs to be, like I said, October would be an ideal time. And then right. um, but, but get onto it and uh, mow it and roll, preferably roll it as well because that will help it thicken up. I'll try roll, to a, a light rolling, not not a steamroller. Okay, and <laughs> and to actually sow it, do I just sort of sprinkle it around? Or? Well, the way that I was, uh, I mean, but years ago, I was I going, my how city and guilds, and, and where I, I still teach it these days, if you do it by hand, <laughs> is you divide your seed, you, you work, weigh the amount of seed you need for the area, which is often far less than you think you're going to need. It's a little okay? handful per yeah. square meter, yeah. isn't it? And you just you divide that in oh, half, yeah. and you go halfway. Uh, in one direction, and then at right angles to that, you put the other half down at the same spread. You just have to sort of uh, uh, spread it as even as you can. Usually, the way I taught it was over my, the crook of my finger and under my thumb, and just uh, right. let it out gently. But however you do it, don't put stripes in there or anything like that. Try and make sure it's nice and even. And don't be looking <laughs> yeah, for the I'll seed because most of it's too small to see. So you now, have to trust that you've done it I'm correctly. I'm going to ask Mick whether he was taught to rake it in because I was taught to rake it in, but I don't rake in anymore. No, I let I'm, the birds have a bit, and you know. I, I think the thing is, I was I was taught that as well. But you're raking in mostly husk, aren't you? Let's face it. I mean, I think the thing is, it was raking in is it's a bit like um, kind of uh, the icing on the cake, but it's not necessary. It's not if necessary. you've done really good ground preparation, um, it will fall in between the little crumbs of the um, of the seal. What, what I think is more important is to rather than raking in, if you've got a rake there, just. Tap, tap the soil with the flat of the rake, but the teeth are so the rake, per, rake perpendicular, and the teeth down. Just tap right. it so that it just consolidates it before you water it. Okay, that's really yeah. good advice. Thank you. Okay, that's a pleasure. Oh, Leslie and Shubri sorting out her garden there. They get her lawn done. Let's look at plant of the week. Eliasgnis ebingii. What a shrub! It's evergreen. Um can grow as big as a sort of small tree, but generally it's kept as a shrub uh, that grows about three metres high and similarly wide if you let it. can keep them compact. They're good for hedging. You can make nice little dwarf hedges in it. I've got one about three foot that we look after. We generally clip it about every couple of weeks and it keeps it really tight and looking good. Why is it popular? Evergreen. It has a sort of silvery scaled leaf and it's absolutely gorgeous. Leathery sort of leaf, but the flowers, well, the flowers, they're almost hidden. They're in the axils of the buds. They're incredibly fragrant. They really are. And they produce a small juicy fruit in winter as well. They tolerate pretty well any position, grow on the coasts of Essex even, any soil, fairly pest-free. Sometimes gets leaf spot, but I don't really worry about that, but you could spray for it. So go out and think about having an Eliagnis abingii, a great evergreen, good background shrub if you're planting a shrubbery, small uh, areas for hedging, nice edging of hedging, and if not, just great for its fragrance. Keep it somewhere that you walk past it. Eliagnis abingii. 
where should we go from here? I'll tell you where we're going to go. We're going to go and talk to Margaret from Chelmsford, because Margaret's got a question. I don't know what plant we're talking about, Margaret. What are we talking about? Oh, hello there. Yes, well, I'm not sure if you call it a plant or a bush, actually, but I, I've no idea where it came from. But um, it's got very large, uh, very long stems, and it's very similar to a bamboo. And um, that when it came into flower, it had all these like little pom-pom things on the top of it, a pale lavender sort of colour, which was really, really pretty, and I haven't got a clue what, what it is. I just wondered if you could give me some ideas to know what to do with it. What are the leaves? What are the leaves like? Um, quite big leaves, actually. I'm just having a look at it now. No, but are they? Well, you said it was like a bamboo. Is that because of its height, or is that because it's got strap-like leaves? No, they're not strap-like leaves at all. It's probably just because of its height. The leaves are quite big and dark green. And they've got a bit of uh, paler green on the edges of them. What colour are the stems? Uh, well, it's, it's like a very, very pale beige colour. I say it looks, they look very much like a bamboo. But the, when the flowers came out, they're just these lovely little pom-pom things. Um, and it's not thistle-like, is it? No, mm. it's, it was quite tall. In actual fact, we cut it down a bit yesterday. They say pom-poms. You mean they were round? Or, yes. Hmm. Um, I'm reckoning going all through blue, blue, blue. What I'm trying to eliminate is that it's not Japanese knotweed or something like that. So uh, make sure no, that not, no. it isn't um, that. No. I, I know I, I actually bought it. I can't remember where. Oh, I see. That's okay. I, I, I normally keep the little um, information tags that oh, okay, come yeah, with yeah. so I know how to treat it, but I can't find yeah, it. Yeah, of, of, now. If you send a picture of it again, there's said we, to the we previous caller, we might well be able to identify. I'm usually reasonably good on that, but I mean, descriptions are um, very well, difficult. It's, what what you see is is what it, uh, elicits in your imagination, if you like, and it might, might have a completely different picture in mind. So what I might be thinking of and picturing in front of me now in the studio different, might be completely it? different to what you've actually got in front of you. Even with the best description, I'm not having uh, a sort of no. a, a go at the way you describe Can it. You, but a picture are you will a, not lie. Are you able to send a picture or not, Margaret? Well, I could do, but the thing is, it's, it's all died off now. All the doesn't matter if you take no. If you take a picture of its leaf and structure. And send right. it to us. We yeah, might we'll be able see, to we'll identify do, it. Yeah. Okay. All right then. I'll do that. Thank you, you can, so much. You can send it. I think by phone. But if not, best to send it by email, which is Ken Crowther at bbc.co.uk. It's a nice and easy one. Thank you very much, Margaret. And if anybody else is listening and thinks I know what that is, give us a call. It's oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. And we go to Daphne from Leon C. Sunny oh Leon C. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, good morning, Ken. Right. And my daughter is anxious to get a jacaranda tree. Right. <laughs> now, can she buy one locally, or is this something that she's got to send away for? No, you can, you can buy them. You can get the seed, um, seed online, uh, off seed catalogues. It's only an indoor plant here, though. You won't be able to... I don't know anywhere in England nope. uh, where it will grow outside, even Cornwall. No, I don't think I know anyone. Not yet, anyway. It, it's um, it's not really. Uh, it's not tolerant of frost, and it doesn't like the um, the wet when we get it. It likes cold, dry, wet, uh, and warm. 
that's the, the cycle it likes in terms of it's a Brazilian tree in, in, in its right. origin. Yeah. So um, you'll, if, when you when you go to a Mediterranean, it's at the edge of its hardiness. There, you have to go to places like Southern Africa and um, India, South America, and you'll see it at its best there. So where Daphne has your daughter been on holiday? Then that she's seen it. No, she she lives in Hamlet Court Road in Westcliff, and they're growing them there. Uh, what, just for the summer outdoors or all year round? Well, yeah, I, ge- I guess because they're tall, I guess they're, they're there all year round. I'd uh, be interested in that Leon C. I might take myself down there to have a look, I think. <laughs> Hamlet Court in Road. which road is that? <laughs> Hamlet Court Road? Yeah, Hamlet yeah. Court Hamlet. Road yeah. in South End, in Westcliff, right? In Westcliff? Yeah. It's certainly mild there, but I would, I would be very surprised. Mind you, I've, I've been surprised at some of the things that are surviving uh, the last what, couple of years. Yep. So yeah. I mean, uh, now, Mick, what what would be the best way? Would you buy a plant or would you buy it or grow it from seed? When you're asking a, a professional horticulturist, the best way for me would be grow it from seed, yes. Uh, but, I mean, you can buy the plants. I mean, but you wouldn't buy them this summer year, necessarily. you get them in the spring again, No, they, they are. Well, where they tend to be sold, because the foliage is quite ferny and, and the, the young plants look quite attractive, they're often uh, sold as... Um, Plants for uh, putting out spot plants in the most yeah. uh, uh, summer bedding. You may get one now from a, a garden centre. You, you'd have to go and have a look. My, my tip would be to get some seed and, and sow. It's re- it comes yeah, up reasonably I can't easy. I imagine she's going to grow them from seed because she works right. full time. Wait, so that's a bit difficult. Wait so till you, next year. Yeah. Next Wait year. Next year. Yeah. yeah, and look out yeah. for them. I mean, in you can go spring. online and look in catalogues and see what we've got. Sometimes people have sort of at the end of the year and things like that. But you really want to keep it in a, a greenhouse or something like over winter. Uh, right. Or a conservatory. Or a conservatory I think yeah. She's going to be barking up the wrong tree, as it were. Uh, yes, uh, I like it. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't know you came on as a humorist, yeah. you see. She'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up comedy, eh, Daphne? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> no, it's really nice to hear from you. And okay, then. They are a fantastic... Well, I'll pass the information on. Well, she's dead right. They're a gorgeous tree, aren't they? They are fantastic, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and certainly if you go... I remember years ago, going to Harare, and all these streets in October are lined with these, and the, the whole city goes purple. It's fantastic. Gorgeous. Let's go to Paula in Hockley. Hello, Paula. Good morning. Um, just a quick question. My husband... I've got a lot of spent compost from my hanging baskets... Now, my husband wondered if he could mix it with sand and use it as a top dressing on the lawn. Uh, is it a good idea or not? Can you, you, you can do it. Well, it depends what you've been... I mean, actually, it's probably not a bad idea. If you've got it from hanging baskets, you'll have been feeding them a... Pota- if you've been feeding potassium-rich um, right. fertiliser, yep. don't overdo it with the, um, the compost to sand. You want to really have about two to one uh, sand to compost. So if you've got a big lawn and a few um, hanging baskets, you'll probably use it all up. But, I mean, it's the sand which is the real um, important thing in top dressing this time of the year. You can use a little more compost in the spring. But if, you, if you've if you used up what you need and you've still got some left, put it on the compost heap. It's fine, you know, or spread it on the garden. The other so, thing, And the other thing to remember is that you should always tip hanging baskets into a barrel onto a sheet to check that there's no vine weevil in them. Mm. Oh, right. Oh, well, I made a point of that. Yeah, it's really important to look out for the little white things, little creamy white things with brown noses, because if you've Mm. got that, you need to get rid of the compost completely somewhere else. Mm. You don't want... Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, check it. I think so far it's clean, because I have been checking it. Okay. 
Good. Um, because I'm be taking tubers and corms out. Oh, right. Like You'd yeah, know. Yeah. You'd yeah. definitely know. Yeah, so mix it well with plenty of sand and get a, a, a horticultural grade sand. Don't just get a bag of builder's sand. No. Uh, get get uh, some, some gritty sand to put it in. It's ideal for it, but it makes a nice sort of loamy type mix to put onto a lawn. Lovely. Uh, okay, thank you. Okay. We will do. Okay. Bye bye there. Bye bye. That's Paula from Hockley, and Jackie has suggested. It's funny, it went through my head. Do you know this tall plant? Mm-hmm. She has said, but I thought well, it's not like a bamboo. I don't know where we're going. And is it is it, which was Verbena bonariensis? You see, because mm. it's tall, it's got the pom-poms, it has a yeah. cluster of flowers. Yeah, it's yeah. not so much a pom pom, but it is a cluster. Yeah, it's it not a pom pom though, is yeah. it? I suppose. It all gets down to what I said before. What, what, what you when you see it, you think, oh, yeah. it looks like bamboo. You see, to me, it's, to it's me, not it, a pom pom. Yeah. It's, it's a cluster of and, flowers. And to me, it doesn't look, look the least bit like bamboo. But um, but it's but got a go. very tall stem, yeah. and it's do you know it's, five as, foot it's high. as good a suggestion as we've had so far. It is. <laughs> so thank you, Jackie. That's uh, better than we came up with. So yeah. there, oh, you're doing well there. And we'll just pop back to the phones and talk to Christine, and just remind you that that number is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one, or send me. a Text eight one triple three pop Essex on the front. Uh, let's uh, talk to Christine from Wickford. Hello, Christine. Hello, Ken. Um, yes, I've brought two plants that, um, well, like large plants that I have never had before. One's called a Celesio, C E L O S I A. Celioso. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got two of those. They're beautiful. One's all in um, bloom. Beautiful. Now, what do I do? Um, hardy, will it just die yeah. off? But they're, they're, uh, they're annual again. I said they? they're always grown as annuals. I couldn't say with hand on heart that I know for sure that they aren't um, perennial. You know, it's like some things we just grow as annuals because well, it's, it's convenient. Like, it's but like coleus, isn't it? Coleus yes. grown as an annual, but actually, it's it, you can keep it, it, it going. Can, yes, yeah. So, I wonder whether you can keep some. I, I'm not sure because uh, sometimes cut it down what happens? Anything or just leave it. Um, it what won't I would grow tend outside, to do, will it, it? It, won't, it won't survive outside through the winter. It'll, it'll keep it going won't. into quite cool no. conditions. So you can keep it out mm. well, until probably mid October, I would have thought. Keep your eye on the weather mm. to make sure we're not going to get any unseasonably early frosts. But I would just, if you're bringing it in, you put it in the glass house and keep an eye on it. But the tendency, if you're going to overwinter anything, and like I said, without looking it up, I can't remember if it is just an annual. But it, it, the way to do it is you keep it on the slightly drier side so that the compost is, you know, almost dry but not bone dry. So it doesn't mm. shrink away from the edge of the pot. It, it, the way was taught was an interior landscape. You put your finger into the pot and it, it shouldn't stick to your finger at all, but you should still be able to get your finger through the compost. And then um, make sure that you just get a little dribble of water from time to time if needed. And it, you'll soon find out if it's a perennial because it'll start to grow as soon as the light levels improve in the spring. But I oh, couldn't right. honestly tell. Uh, you cut back, if it, if it dies back, cut back anything which is dead and see what you're left with. But um, I'm sure I, I'm probably looking it up later and, uh, and, and say um, whether Celiosa is. Because the problem is the garden books will tell you what. The way it's taught, the way it's um, treated in terms of horticulture. Right. Mm. So a lot of mm. things we think of as annuals actually are perennials, but we, we just yeah. grow them as annuals. So just leave it, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Unless it, I mean, you, it's always worth experimenting with things if you've got the space and the inclination. Pot it up, mm. yeah. yeah. In the pot, yeah. They're in big pots, you know. So yeah. Um, well, bring, bring them into a conservatory or a, a, a cold glass house to see how they get on. Okay, the other, the other one is Calia, uh, C-A-L-L-A. Calla. Calla. Calla, Calla. Mm. They, well, they are perennial, but they're like a, a, 
they're not really a bull. We're more like a sort of tuber under the ground. And it yeah, depends but... which colour they are, how hardy they are, and that depends on how hard the winter is. So yeah, it's they're all... a pinky orange. I've only got one. They're of not. Those. The... They're grown lovely, but no, because they're, they're one, not hardy, uh, are they? One one I guess called a colour is the, the the white one, which is actually Xantadesia rather That's than right. colour. But uh, that we grow that outside the uh, um, university. <laughs> but I mean, um, and, and some gardens grow it quite successfully outside. When you get to the centre of, of England, not. it's not it's not really hardy, but it's usually down by the coast is. But I would say that what you've got there, you've got one of the what is a cala, and yep. um, it needs to be brought in. Do you know the treatment I just uh, suggested before? Subject it to that. Keep it on the dry side. Keep it mm. cool, but not in a frosty place. So a conservatory or a, a cold greenhouse, something like that, and um, or even in a shed. Or something I've got like a shed, that. Yeah, I've got yeah, a shed. shed with maybe um, some fleece just uh, tucked over the top of it in the worst and of the winter. Fine. And then you right. bring it into growth in spring. Oh, lovely. I can't um, guarantee about, it'll grow, um, it depends on the, the treatment. Cut them out when they die. Yeah, As cut, they them, die. cut them back, cut the flowers back, but don't cut the foliage back until it's actually died right down to the ground. Right, lovely. Okay, thank you okay. very much. No That's problem. a pleasure. That's Christine from Wickford. Back to gardening questions in just a little while, but now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with the garden this week. And Mick, what you got for us? Well, this is the time of the year when you sometimes find you've got a few gaps in borders and things like this. And it's an ideal time if you've got some plants you wish you had more of, which have flowered and you haven't cut them, uh, uh, deadheaded them, collect the seed from them That's now. That's a good idea. Yeah, you collect it, just make sure it's dry, so that's, that's it's simple. Hang it up with the, um, the the pods or whatever else on them in a, a, um, in a paper bag. Just hang it up for a couple of weeks and then store them in a, a fridge, something like that, just a, a nice uh, uh, a plastic tub or something in the fridge, and they will keep fresh until the spring. Some of them, you can sow them now even, and they'll, uh, they'll, they'll uh, come up during the winter and uh, into the spring. So a good uh, tip if you've got particularly some, something where you think it's expensive to buy, or if it's difficult to move, sometimes that's some, another point. Some, isn't yeah, it? some things like aquilegias, for instance, don't like being moved, no. but you can easily collect the seed. One thing to remember: though, if it's a hybrid, it won't come true from seed. The important thing in there, just just a very important thing, is that you said paper bag because the polythene they'll sweat and they don't work. Yeah, I mean, aside from all the concerns about plastic paper, it always did work better. And I, I, I did say you can put it into um, a, a plastic tub in the fridge, put it in a tin in the fridge, put it in a uh, yeah. A, a, but it's the, collection, box, yeah. the collection, as it dries, is really important. Yeah, paper. cool and dry is, yeah. is the, uh, the tip for storing them. Okay. What else you got for us? Well, in line with the, the sort of you know gaps in borders and things, mm. herbaceous plants. Now, if you can get your spade in to, to lift them, just to come on, but September's a great month for lifting them because especially if you're on a light soil, they will actually root in during the, uh, the winter period and actually um, they'll, they'll grow into the spring so i mean it's, it's not a, a bad thing to be done at all this is only really necessary with plants which have started to outgrow a situation or things which uh, spread some some plants don't need lifting and dividing very regularly some don't like being lifted so don't try and lift and divide your peonies for instance or your uh, well, leave well alone yeah and it's good really it's a good thing to do for summer flowering perennials rather than spring flowering perennials they are there's some good top tips from mick and we'll have more for you in just a little while the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Is there any way of stopping foxes ripping up my flower bed? And that's Pete in Rainham. 
And I think the answer is, don't know. Uh, the problem with foxes, really, is that once they've found that they like your garden, they'll come in there. I've got one, I live right in the centre of Colchester, I've got one comes for a kip under uh, my... Um, uh, 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 just under the banana plants, I've got the back of the garden, and uh, there's not much you can do about it's it. Not, really, is it? Because they've they've realised that they're safe. Most of the time, foxes realise they're safe at night because there's nobody about. They can come in and do what they like. There isn't really a surefire way of doing anything about it. You know, a, a big dog flap and a very large dog might help. But, <laughs> but if anybody has got or been successful using a safe and legal product, yeah. let us know. You can send us a text on our eight hundred. No, you can ring me on 0800 111 or 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. You can do that. Let us know if you've been successful. That's all we want to know. Now, let's go back to that phone. I did give you that phone number. It's 0800 111 You can get us on FM, DAB, Medium Wave, and, of course, the app. Yes, BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, there'll be a podcast of this programme about mid-afternoon, and so if you've missed any of it, you can take it with you wherever you go. It's got some tips on things you could be doing in the garden, plant of the week, all those extras that you can't get on the programme in the hour. And let's go to Patsy from South Woodham. Hello, Patsy. What would you like to talk about? Oh, yes. I've got a hedge outside the front. It's, um, it's, an, it's ivy, and uh, two parts of it are right, but the middle part have gone big. And when I go to cut it, I'm cutting off the hedge, but it's going down to dead wood. Mm. There's what a load of dead wood. Is at it's the ivy. What hedge is it? It's a, it's ivy. Yeah, no, it's an it, ivy hedge. It's the it's the um, the bit where it's going big. You say, as you say, is it? Um, there's a leaf shape change into a more sort of diamond shaped leaf, and there's a flower yeah. on it. Yeah, that's it's, right. That's it's, right. It's, it was. It was yeah. all right last year. I was yeah. cutting it back, and you know, well, but this t- this year I started to cut it, and I was I was you know getting dead wood. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the one thing with ivy is it will creep back into that. The ivy is um, is a plant which has two growth habits. It's got what we call juvenile form, which is um, the, the, the sort of ivy leaves that you're familiar with, which yeah. will hug close to a wall or, or anything else it grows over, and it will um, tend to grow upward. When it gets to a certain size, usually, so it's either height or it's the, the general size of the plant, it becomes yeah. an adult plant and it starts to produce mature growth, which wow. grows out and away from the wall. Mm-hmm. And it's got different uh, shaped leaves. They're more sort of oval or diamond shaped. And it flowers. That's right. Yeah, And that's just bigger. what the plant does. And once it's reached that stage, it will keep doing it because it's now a mature plant. And it's on woody type Yes, material. It is, yeah. It's growing off what looks like a shrub. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So would it would it be wise just to cut that bit off and let it grow again? Well, it, if you if you cut it off, it'll you I might mean, you might lose some of your young growth that's coming off that yeah. old growth. Yeah. That's the trouble. Oh right. Yeah, I and mean, what you need to do is you need to go and take trace each where it's flowering. You need mm. to go back and cut that stem right off back down to the uh, the bottom to try and encourage uh, juvenile growth to come through. Rather than cut it back just like a hedge, you have to get the secateurs out and do a little bit more discerning pruning. This is one of the reasons why ivy doesn't make a great hedge plant, in a sense, because it's got these two phases of growth. Mm. You know, so, right. I mean, 
No, I mean, it's normal to exploit a juvenile form of growth. We do this with beech hedges, for instance, because they keep the leaves all through the winter, something we call marchessence. But you can only grow those up to a certain height because yeah. that's height dependent. So knowing the, the sort of like the proclivity of the plant is important to make sure you know what you can do with the hedge. So ivy isn't usually used as a hedging plant. So you probably had the best of it, I would say. Yeah. And I don't want that to sound depressing, but it needs going to need an awful lot more management than you've done with it previously because it's reached that stage and it does something different. Yeah, it's only this patch. The yeah, well, it'll start. I it'll, think you've got to put up all... with it. It'll do it all along, yeah. and you'll end up with a mature leafed ivy. Mm. Oh, so there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. But if you've it's got a, space it's for not it. as attractive, and is it's it, great though? for wildlife this time yeah. of year, Ivy. It's one of the one times I've got time for it. To be honest with God. <laughs> well, this one, I'll be honest with you. It, I, I've got to say, it looks out. You know, well, it looks as like if it's got a big belly. Yes. <laughs> it Pat, does, just Pat's, the middle part. It yeah. looks as if it's got a big belly. And when I start to cut it, I'm getting a lot of dead wood. You yeah, will. Yeah, you yeah. will, Patsy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, so I'll leave it as it is, yeah? Leave it as and trim it back yeah. as necessary, but that's it. And follow those strands, uh, because oh, if not, you'll oh, lose... I've got a friend that said, you better trim it in because people might bump into it. I said, no, I've got a light outside my... <laughs> don't worry about them. Don't worry about them at all. They are there's Patsy from South Woodford. Interesting, yes, yeah, South Woodford. Oh, that's where that nice long low br- bridge is goes over mm. the underground. Um, don't forget that we have a line free on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. But I would like to talk to Pauline. Now, Pauline's talking about biodegradable plant pots. Is that right, Pauline? You're from Langdon Hills. What would you like to know, Pauline? Well, I've bought some alum combs, and I want to put them in some biodegradable pots because I've not um, dug the holes yet. Oh, you want to start them off in pots? Sorry? You want to start them off in pots and then put them out in the garden later? Yes. Yeah, these um, are allium. Yeah, yes. you, 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 you don't have to plant them. Yet. Yeah, I would say the thing with alliums is that you can, you can plant them now uh, if you've got nowhere to store them. But I would be inclined to plant them sort of uh, you know, mid to late October because they're a later flowering bulb. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like with tulips; you can plant them all the later because. Uh, they, they will come along. I mean, if you're planting things like snowdrops, uh, early flowering daffodils and things like really September's a good month to put them in because they get plenty of growing time. But with alliums, yeah. they, can, uh, they can go in you know, right away to the beginning of November. So I wouldn't... Oh, I think right. the thing is, if you're getting them confused with, say, what we would do with onions, onions, particularly things like oh, yeah. Japanese onions, which grow over the winter, um, or we put them in now, on garlic, sometimes you might start it off in a pot because the birds hook about because they're planted yeah. right at the surface. Alliums go underground, the, the flowering well, alliums, so that right. wouldn't be a problem. Well, what, I yeah. gonna, what I wanted to do was put them in the pots and put them in the greenhouse. If you want to bring them on early, yes. you can do that. And yeah. what you're asking is, is there a biodegradable plant pot then? Yes, but uh, not a bamboo one, because that takes five years to do. Do you know, you beat me to it. I was going to say there's a bamboo <laughs> one, but I don't like those because they last. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the thing there's is... There's one made of... Of paper, isn't it? Recycled paper material. It, de- it depends yeah. whether you want to bring them into the house or not, because some of the no. biodegradable things will... Um, they're cardboardy will, will, looking, yeah. aren't they? So they, they no, will, they will it, stay... no, they're going to stay in the greenhouse till my husband can dig the holes for me. 
There are some papery, yeah, yeah. crushed paper, aren't there? Yeah, there are. There was, and you can actually make them out of newspaper if you get a pop-making thing. You usually buy ridiculously expensive, I would think. For, but it looks a bit like a, a very tight mortar and pestle, and you make them in there. But in if there. you've got a plant, plant pot of your own, in fact, you can do the same thing, can't you? Because you put, stand yes. it in the middle of a piece of paper, yeah. you lift yeah. it up, and then push the paper into the yeah. middle, yeah. So and then a, cut round. Yeah. And, oh, right. Yeah, oh, so, that's a good idea. But, but again, I would say, though, really, that... Um, just you'd be better off keeping the bulbs in a cool shed and planting them in the ground plant them in the ground in around about um mid to late october yeah uh yeah well that that's what we were gonna do but my husband can't dig the holes yet you see no no one can no i'm not surprised no (laughs) and i can't either but there's no need to get them going this early is what i'm saying because you haven't got any sort of like urgency about it they're better off just staying dormant as bulbs Right. Safer okay. that way for now. Sit tight. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll do that then. Okay. Thank you very much for your help. Not a problem. And Pauline has brought up an interesting subject there, isn't it? Biodegradable. I mean, yeah. peat pots were great, weren't they? Well, <laughs> I think there are. I think there are coir pots. Did, I, there are coir pots, pots, but I mean, that's dragged halfway around the planet, really, isn't it? I mean, we, we, none we, of it's any good, is it? No, I mean, recycled papers. There has to be some sort of paper pot, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is the, uh, the, the fundamentally you can make them. I, mean, I think they used to have these sorts of ones. Um, I think they were jiffy pots. I would say are the types available, but they, well, which were peat and paper That's and right. I think the process would be that you could do it with wood pulp I mean you, the main thing is it's what colour things are people have expectations pots have to be most people think they have to be a terracotta colour or black because they've just been conditioned to think about it. And the problem with black yeah. ones is they can't recycle because they no, don't exactly. get separated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in fact, so the growers are looking, aren't they've they? They've brought this colouring yeah. called taupe now. That's and right. I think if you um, do that, paper would probably come out a fairly similar colour if you think about the, the cardboard and, um, and uh, newspaper and other things that would be used for it. But um, the egg boxes would be the equivalent um, if you think about the consistency of them. Toilet rolls. Yeah, yeah toilet rolls. But, egg, but egg, egg boxes are made of this reconstituted yeah. pulp. And um, you can actually use those as nice little starter pots. They're not very big, is the only thing with egg boxes, unless you've got a particularly large <laughs> type of uh, fowls laying eggs for you. But, but that's the sort of thing which we need to be looking for for these biodegradable pots. In the future. Yeah. Definitely got to be looking at things like that in the future because we're going to change. We've got to change the way we do things, haven't we? Hmm. Um, should I put passion flower seeds in a propagator to grow them? And that's Roger asking that question. Uh, no, I wonder they, they, which one he's growing. Well, it um, depends on which one you grow. Exactly. They, they all need cleaning off of the pulp, first off, so which uh, usually involves floating them in water for about... Um, 24 to 48 hours. they've got a lot hours. of pulp around yeah. them, haven't they? And then you've got to, that, that will start to ferment that a little bit, and you clean that off, and you've got to then dry the seeds off a little. Now, the way I was always taught to do this, it never seems to work either, but I was told to soak them in orange juice for 24 hours. It's supposed to uh, help to uh, activate them. We, we, I can tell you we had no success with this method when we tried this with students. Uh, we tried acid scarification of them as well. It, 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 they are a bit tricky to get going. And have they got to be cleaned off to actually make them... Germinate. Well, we bought the seed in, so I suppose you could always. It's the sort of thing we might do at the university. We could set to trial it where we'd say, right, we'll put some in with pulp, we'll clean some, we'll see what happens there, we'll do some with acid. Because we'll the see. other one is like tomatoes, mm. as an example. I mean, I remember an old guy that I used to work with, he used to. Tomatoes are another one that's got 
Yeah, I mean, you have to clean the mucilage off the seeds for those. Well, yeah. what he used to do is smear it yeah. on glass, let yeah. them dry, and then pick them off with tweezers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, which in theory is cleaning them, isn't yeah. it? Because they'll yeah. dry off. However, you do it, but that, otherwise, that um, mucilage around yeah. them will inhibit uh, regrowth. It's usually taken off by a digestive system, in fairness. And <laughs> I'm not going to make any suggestions about the passion no, fruit. We won't go there on that one. We won't go there on Anyway, that's passion flower seeds. So depends what they are. Clean them off, but yes, use a propagator. Yes, certainly. You'll, need, you'll need temperatures around about oh, uh, 25 degrees, I think. 25 yeah. to 30 to get passion flowers going. They are, Roger. Hope that's helped you. Uh, we go to Brian. He's Shubriness now. Hello, Brian. Hiya. What are uh, we I've talking? Got a holly tree in my garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, prickly type ones on the on the leaves with red berries. It needs some pruning because the branches are quite low. When is the time I can do that? Well, now, now is the time you can do it, <laughs> yep. um, or you can do it again in the um, the spring. If you want um, now, the reason why I say you might want to do it in the spring is, of course, you could time some pruning to uh, to, to sort of um, to clear up. If you're taking some off for Christmas decorations and things like that, it won't hurt the plant to do that. But in the spring, then you can do a little bit of a restorative prune to uh, to, to improve the shape of it. It's, it's- 12 foot high, but yeah. there's some low branches that are starting to get near your eyes as you walk past yeah. them, if you yeah. know what I mean. And I just want to trim it up. I've also got another red berry one that's round leaves that isn't so um, prickly. Yeah, yeah. Now, there, are, there are various um, forms of it, and they have bred some, um, some prickleless uh, hollies, so to speak. Um, I think that what you need to do is, is you wait up. If you're not going to cut it for... Um, for, for the, the sake festive of the, uh, the festive season, you can you can trim it now. Uh, now until about um, late October is fine to cut most evergreens. Uh, spring is the ideal time to prune them because then they grow immediately afterwards. Okay, well it's a very healthy tree. Yeah. yeah. So, so what I would suggest is cut off what you need to take off now if it's in the way, and then give it a, a more general sort of uh, prune over in the uh, the spring when it will it will grow back more evenly. Okay. The only other question I wanted to ask quickly, if I could. Yeah. Japanese border flowers, are they okay to plant now? It's Japanese windflower. Do you mean an enemy? Yeah. The, the tall ones that are pink, etc. Yeah, pink or, and white. Or white. Yeah. white. And then Yeah. Um, yeah. You, uh, you, plant if you, them now if, or in the spring. If you've got them as um, pot plants, you've got them in pots, have you, or...? Well, we're going to get them. That was what. Yeah, sure they're in flower. They're looking good in, in yeah. nurseries at the moment because they're all in flower. Yeah, but you can plant them now. Yeah, make make yeah. sure you keep them well watered. This, if you're planting anything now, this goes for anything you planted now, even bulbs and things like that. It needs watering in because we've had nearly two years of, of, uh, of continuous oh, yeah, sort of drought. Oh, dry. I'm aware yeah. of that. Yeah, so, so you have to keep them well watered. Yeah, it's just that what she's cleaned out a boulder that been not given much attention for a year and yeah. we're just looking to do some, put some stuff in it to try and brighten it a bit yeah well, you can plant them now yeah it's an ideal time to put them in yeah they are thank you very much brian that's a good question back to your calls texts and emails shortly but let's take a final look at the top tips mick's got for us this week well, the autumn's the prime time now for cutting evergreen hedges. It's, you may have cut them already this year. Often ever, people like to do them in the spring or early summer. But Grown the autumn, a lot, haven't they? They have, yeah. And now is the time to cut them. September, really, is time to cut them. They will grow a little bit again, particularly conifer hedges. will actually look better if you trim them now. They're putting a lot of fresh growth uh, between now and about the end of October, which will keep them looking good all the way through the winter. So it's an ideal time to uh, to do this. And if you've got a hedge which or a plant which you think, oh, I'd like to make a hedge of that, hedges always grow best from what we call clonal stock. So it's really useful to uh, take a few evergreen uh, c- uh, semi-ripe cuttings now, 
they will root quite easily in a cold frame or in a cold greenhouse uh, if you put them in some nice free draining compost they may take a little while to start to grow it maybe next spring before you really get much growth off them but you will then have what we call clonal stock and the hedge will look like it's just one plant all the way down so not just hedge plants any plants which you want more of this time of the year great time plants, to do it yeah. it is yes it's, it's about the last chance you've got you really need to do it the next week or two or else you'll have to wait then until about next june july to to try it again yeah and you got another one for us yeah i mean this well well, thoughts start to run to spring already, don't they? They do have to, don't they? <laughs> and, uh, of course, when you go into any of the garden centres or nurseries, big sacks full of uh, daffodils. It's a brilliant time to plant daffodils. Um, Hang on, though. If you can get a spade if, in the if ground. You can get a spade in the ground, yeah. I mean, but it is the time to put it them is, in. It is, isn't it? The other thing, which is, I mean, daffodils start now. You can plant them right the way through till around about um, uh, late October, and they'll still come up quite happily. This month, though, is the month, if you want a Madonna lily, Lilium candidum, you yes. have to plant that. This uh, it's, one, it's unusual among the lilies. It has to be planted in September and has to be just about an inch under the surface. Very shallow uh, planted. But well worth it, isn't it? They are, yeah, they're superb, aren't they? As long as you can keep the lily beetles off them. <laughs> so there's plenty to get on with in the garden, then, Absolutely, there's ever. Let's look at some of those events around the county. Now, you know that you can get your event onto the gardening podcast every week so you can spread the world across the county and beyond and get people along to your event. All you have to do is send them along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. It's as simple as that. But I need them two weeks in advance. If not, they just don't get onto the system. So it's simple, but get it to me as soon as you can. Right, let's look at some of those events around the county. And the 28th of September... Together we grow Apple Day. Yes, it's at Highwood Country Park, 10 till 3.30, and that's at the Visitor Centre, Turner Road in Colchester, CO4, and that's uh, 5JR. So they are, that's one to go to. The Morden and Haybridge Horticultural Society, they have they meet in the United Reformed Church. Their AGM is on the 8th of October at 7.45. That's the United Reformed Church Market Hill in Morden. 9th of October, Essex Wildlife Trust. They've got an illustrated talk in the Friends Meeting House in Butt Lane, Morden. That's 8 till 10 at as well. 9th of October. Also on the 9th of October, Coastal National Trust have got a talk on the history of Dunwich. That's at Christchurch, Oriton Road in Colchester. Starts at 2.30. Oh, and the 5th of October, Alsford Craft and Farmers Market. Yeah, Alsford. Free entry, and that's in Ford Lane, Alsford, starts at 9 o'clock. Let's look at some of the houses, uh, well, houses, in the gardens that are around. Sandy Lodge, Sunday the 22nd of September. Um, next weekend, How Drive, Headingham Road, Halstead, CO92QL, and that is a three-quarter acre. Lovely garden, created over the last five years. Minutes from House to uh, Town Centre, actually, but it is a beautiful, stunning garden with views over the countryside. It's got two-tier gravel bee border. So go along and see it and let us know what you think. Wednesday, 25th of September, Dragons at Boyton Cross, Chelmsford, CM4, 4LS. Um, admission, £4, that one. Children are free, two till five, homemade teas, Plants Woman Acre Garden, absolutely gorgeous. Sunday the 29th of September, uh, Beth Chateau Gardens. Well, that's 
goes without saying. It's opening in aid of the National Garden Scheme. I know it's open all the time. 11 till 4 on Sunday the 29th. Admission 8.45, children are free. You know you can get refreshments there. Well worth a visit. We visited it when dear Beth was there. Um, So why not go along there and have a look and let me know what you think of these gardens. Don't forget, send me a line, drop me a line. Ken Crowther, P.O. Box 765 Chelmsford, CM2 9XB, and we'll get it on the podcast to spread the word. It's as easy as that. I'd like to do, yes, let's just do, we got an email here from Pam, who we looked at the, was it a Kentia palm, the picture, wasn't well, that's it? That's what it looked like, yes. Yeah. From she says, that. tips of the plants are going brown, scruffy, haven't done anything unusual, looking after it's stopped giving plant food now, lightly watering it once a week, have no idea what it's called, well, we think it's Kentia always referred to as a fern. Well, it's not a fern. I've enclosed a photo, so look forward to hearing a verdict. It's dry conditions, isn't it? Yeah. It's normally to do with either the atmosphere in the place. Sometimes where you've got gas fires, unlikely to be this this time of the year, gas fires sometimes cause this sort of thing in the atmosphere. Um, Occasionally, irregular watering, and it's been very warm, so, I mean, you might be watering as per... A normal regime, but I mean, if it gets shorter water, it just means the water doesn't get right to the tips of the leaves and they suffer. But the rest of the leaf, just the, the biology of the palm leaf is such that the rest of the leaf can happily carry on, even though the end of it becomes brown and sort of uh, tattered. And you see this quite often with palms in the wild, so it's not a great cause for concern. Don't do the old interior landscaper uh, trick, which which I used to slap my head about when I first started working in that area, where he used to cut the tips off as if there it's fine again now, because it will die back all the quicker. You're better off taking off a whole leaf as it becomes unsightly. Brown tips are something which you um, you needn't worry about too much, uh, and, and you just got to sort of uh, accept that that's the way the plant grows. But it's most likely to be the dryness of the, the air uh, this year, and um, also maybe... Uh, the watering may not have been irregular but it may have appeared to be irregular because the plant's been so stressed this year with the heat okay we're going to go back to the phones and we can still squeeze one more in i think um chaz from canvey let's uh, chat to you you are talking ponds is that right chaz that's right yeah um i'm gonna drain my pond out and uh, all the sludge and that at the bottom of it i'm Wondering if it's okay to put it on my boulders. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. um, it's good for the boulders. It, it is, it? yeah. Spread it out carefully. The thing is, um, in the first instant, don't put it too thickly on the boulders no. uh, because what, the it sometimes tends to be a little bit anaerobic, and that now that means there's no oxygen in there. So what happens? You can seal it off. As, can't as, it? as things start to break down, they re, they have all sorts of um, toxins which release instead of the normal thing, which is like uh, respiration releases um, carbon dioxide and water. Well, these release all sorts of things like uh, various organic acids and things like this, uh, which isn't a major concern. That's why it also has things like hydrogen sulfide, which might stink. You know, the, the old expression smells like the bottom of an old pond. So spread it thinly. Yeah, you sure are right. Yeah, yeah, well, spread it thinly because what will happen then is the, the oxygen will get to it rapidly and will sort of reverse all this damage that's in there because the useful bacteria in the soil will quickly colonise that and just revert it. And then what we will have is a, a very nutrient-rich uh, covering, like a little mulch on the surface of the... The soil, but when I say thinly, I'm really talking about a couple of centimeters at most. You know, so less than an inch thickness. So spread it 
across a, 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 a lot of borders. So yeah. it might be useful to sort of when you lift it out to put it on something to let it drain, so it's not quite as sticky. It almost starts to dry out. If you if you if you let it dry out, you can easily spread it. Ah, it's like, so if I put it in a little heap in the corner, yeah, I'll let yep. it all dry out. Just let it dry out for a, a few better. days, and then you'll be able to spread it, and it will it will just be like dust with a few Lovely. bits of plants and twigs and whatever else in there. Hopefully, no dead fish or anything like that in there. But Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. It's only a wildlife pond anyway. Yeah. Okay, Chess. Salty. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's what we're here for on BBC Essex every Saturday between 11 and 12, talking gardening. Let's go to Ruth from Rayleigh. Hello, Ruth. Hi, Ken. I've just sent an email. I don't know if you've had time to have a look. Regarding? Three unidentified things in my garden. I, I don't know if they're weeds or they're meant to be there or not. I'm, I'm, I'm clueless. No, it hasn't arrived. Ken.Crowther at bbc.co.uk. Absolutely. Oh, no, I've got one on hydrangeas. I've got one on fuchsias, but... Oh, all right, then. I'll ask you something else for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. OK. Again, I'm clueless, but I've got, I've got a new garden, brand new garden, and I've got three different palms, that, and I've had them for a year, and they're all about three foot tall. At what stage do I start to cut the bottom ones off to give it a nice little shape. Cause so these are um, hardy palms, are they, you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't the, remember the name of them. Well, it'll most likely be the two hardiest palms are either a trachycarpus or there's um, uh, Chamaerops humilis, which is the European fan palm. Um, there is no absolute rush to cut the, uh, the leaves off in either case. If you do cut them off, you need to leave um, usually around about... I mean, it's very young, about three to four inches of the, the, the petiole, which is the, the stem which the, uh, the frond is on. Uh, that's the spiky bit. You leave about three to four inches of that on there because they will, um, the, the, the stem itself is made up of all leaf bases. If you cut it too close too early on, you get what's called wasting, which just means you get a, a thinning of the stem, which can be a structural instability later with them. Uh, so just... Don't worry about it too much. I mean, um, if they're really unsightly, you can cut them back. I've got a a Shamarops, which I just raised the skirt on um, just this summer, and it's been in the ground for... um, We've been in that house 15 years, and it's been (laughs) got there, so there's no real rush to do it, if you see what I mean. They're quite long-lived things, quite slow-growing in many cases. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. That's a pleasure, Ruth. And we now go to Valerie from Thundersea. Hello, Valerie. Hello, Ken. That's all I want to do. I'll need to ask a question about um, wallflowers. Yes. Now, when is the right time to be able to buy wallflowers? You know, they've already done, not seeds. For the, for the, uh, the young plants, you're about a month off, really. Yes, end yeah. of October, I yeah, reckon this yeah. year. Yeah, they, I mean, normally you wouldn't see them appearing in the if not the, the old bundles with the uh, the bit of fen soil in and the a old couple days, of elastic bands, you know. And um, when but, I was a lad, bundling <laughs> them up, yeah, you still get them, but, <laughs> oh, no. but but normally you get them in pots now, grown from seed because they're particular varieties. But you you won't really see those appear until around about mid October at the earliest. Is that all right, Valerie? Yeah, I don't want seeds. I want to know, you know, when they're already. No, yeah, no, no, but no. you'll get them grown from seeds. So they're already in little pots. So yeah, when, you, when, when can I? When can I be able to? Well, go you'll see those until about mid-October. Mid-October. Yeah. Mid-October. So yeah. they should be 
I should be able to get some then, should yep, I? Yep. And then I mean, yeah. as soon as you Put see them... into the ground. As soon as you see them, buy them. But if the ground isn't quite ready, I mean, if you, you can you can always keep them in the pots for a couple of weeks and water them regularly and then plant yeah. them out as soon as the ground's in a better condition. So you, you might see them in mid-October, but I think I would think probably the end of October before I'd be ready to plant them out this year. OK, Valerie? Okay. That's okay. lovely. Thank you. That's a pleasure. No, actually, I mean... <sighs> They used to be good, those ones that were... Uh, they had to go in straight away, they though, did, didn't they? Kerwin <laughs> in Colchester. Hi, Kerwin. How can we help you yes, today? Chilies. Chilies, Ken. Yep. Yes, um, what would you I've like? I've got some Zimbabwe black, which are good, absolutely brilliant. There's right. hundreds of them. I've got this other chilli. Unfortunately, I've lost the name tag and I can't find it anywhere um, to tell you what they... But the problem is where the stem of the chili joins the stem of the plant, it's all gone black. Is uh, it? But has it still got leaf? I'm wondering what it is. You has know, it still? Um, has it still got leaf? Sorry? Are there are there leaves still on it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it um, might be just maturing. It might yeah. not. Is is it affecting the fruit at all? The chili itself. Well, I well I don't know actually. I'll give the plant to my sister, and she's just telling me what I'm telling you. Well, the thing is, if you snip the chilies off when they start to ripen, I mean, obviously, if you've got the uh, Zimbabwe black, it goes a sort of very deep purple colour. Snip it off, and as long as it's not sort of um, softened, and the calyx, which is the little bit, the green bit behind the flower originally, as long as that hasn't gone black. The chilli's fine. Snip them off and dry them. And then you can keep the yeah. chilli plant growing. Yeah. They, they will, if you keep them a, a bit... Water them sparingly over winter, keep them in a cool room, you can bring them back to life magnificently in the spring. Well, thank you, Kerwin, for that. That's the last phone call, but we've got uh, a few things to go through. Um, hydrangeas. What was the hydrangea one here? Hydrangeas, um, are they all right to be planted in a multi-purpose composting pots? I would recommend a... I mean, I'd recommend a John Innes, wouldn't you? If, you say if, if we were right to be planted up in there, if you're planting them on in that pot with a view to potting them on into a bigger pot because you're just growing them on, multi purpose is fine. If it's the final destination, as it were, uh, you need a John Innes. There they are. That's for, uh, that's for Tony in Wickham Bishop. Uh, we haven't had an answer to the foxes, but we won't worry about that. <laughs> Suddenly, the middle of this Acer has died. Can't see any reason for it. Can you help? And that's from Maureen. Well, really, there's no, again, there's no real reason. Aces, I imagine it's um, a Japanese Acer she's mm, talking about. Mm. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, I mean, some, what has happened with some trees this year is they're sort of look, looking a bit stag-headed because they, the, the furthest extremes, which are nearly always the highest part, they're... they're Losing the leaves, and we're, we're actually we've seen this on some of the apples in the the the, uh, the old heritage orchards at the uh, the college, and went then scraped away the bark, and it's still green underneath. It is very very dry, it and, is. and this is really causing some problems for for a number of trees, including aces. So they are. That's a bit of a problem there. Um, <clears throat> Dave from Hadley says, "I have a long low hedge which has box blight. Um, have you any tips for getting rid of the hedge?" And what should I plant in its place? Can I plant box? Well, the thing is, if it hasn't died and it's got box blight, mm. 
They can come back, can't they? Yeah. I mean, if it's blight, then another thing is it's box caterpillar, which looks yeah. similar. If you give it a good bash and a lot of frass, which is like the dung of the caterpillars, and if you if you knock the hedge vigorously, the caterpillars look a little bit like cabbage white caterpillars. They do. And um, But it, it is hitting. We've got it at the college now. We were always sort of proudly box caterpillar free until this year and it's, it's arrived there now so, so if, with box caterpillar the, you can use nematodes you can also use sprays yes, to get rid of yeah. it or you can hand pick Yes, but there are I a mean, couple of sprays my, that you my, can use my advice would be if, you've, if it's a really bad case it's never going to look good again if you are ripping it out uh, try something like Euonymus. Is a, a, yeah, a good. A I good mean, sampling. Euonymus behaves differently, but it's a it's a low growing plant. There's some very good uh, tried and tested varieties. Very winter hardy, uh, very easy to uh, to maintain. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this program and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800. Triple one forty forty one. Be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from eleven.